Welcome everybody to Laying the Points with Farley Bets. We're back. It's June 14th, just a few hours, about 12 hours after the ending of NBA Finals Game 5 last night. Warriors pick up a 10-point win, take over in the fourth quarter. A lot happened in that game. We're going to recap that game on this show. Keep it under 30 minutes as we usually do, just a solo pod, just me talking to you. And go over some of the bets that we might like in game six of the NBA Finals. Um, this one might be destined for a seven-game series. We'll see. Would not be surprised if the Warriors closed it out in game six either. They are in the heads of the Boston Celtics. No doubt about that. But we will talk more about that as the show goes on. For now, we are hitting 76 and 59 in the NBA playoffs. I mean, if you calculate that, right, it's over 130 picks in the NBA playoffs. Maybe a little too much exposure on my end, but hey, at least we're hitting at 56%, and that's not bets that are like minus 325. You know, these are ATS bets, uh, quarter bets, full game bets, totals, that sort of thing. We don't count props and parlays in our record, although I think if we did, we might do might have even more units one or two account for. But 56%, not bad. It was 57% yesterday. We'll talk about why that changed last night. It's mostly because of Boston's faults. Uh, in game five, uh, and we are plus 12 units. So for those of you who don't know, plus 12 units in the NBA playoffs, that just means if you took every unit that I gave out to my premium customers, you'd be up, let's say you took you know 100, you put down $100 for every unit that I assigned for my picks, you'd be up $1,200. In the NBA playoffs, not too shabby. It's a good little paycheck. If you put down $1,000 on every one unit bet I gave you in the NBA playoffs, you'd be up 12 thousand dollars right now we are well over 80 units in this entire nba season so again if you put down a thousand dollars on every unit i gave you as a premium customer this nba season you'd be up eighty thousand dollars it's just a fact it's just data uh, you can audit me anytime premium plays are available at the odds breakers check out my packages at farley bets on twitter instagram and tiktok at the Odds Breakers, you should be able to click. If you go to the Odds Breakers page for this podcast, you should be able to click that link to see my discounted rates for the upcoming NFL season, NBA season, NBA and NFL, uh, monthly rates, all that kind of stuff. We win. We keep on winning. Uh, and you know, hopefully that does keep up, right? And we trust our process so far, at least. So that's been working out for us. Uh, so check me out at the Oddsbreakers and check out the Oddsbreakers at theoddsbreakers.com, at the Oddsbreakers across all social media. And like I said, follow me at Farley Bets and all of our great writers and podcasters at the Oddsbreakers. All righty, folks. So, man, oh, man, let's talk about these NBA finals. Uh, firstly, I just have to say this. It's definitely vindication for me already because... The one thing that I've been saying throughout these whole NBA finals is that I don't think this is going to be an easy series for either team, right? It's going to go six or seven games. Well, that's now a guarantee. It's been a guarantee ever since last uh, Friday that the series is going to go six games. And that's not at all surprising to me. I think it's surprising to a lot of betters out there. I think it's surprising to a lot of modelers out there. You know, we said it at the start of this series. If you're just taking into account data, raw data, even really nuanced data that is available in many, many places, right? This is this is really not proprietary, right? NBA advanced analytics, 
uh, or you can sign up for a lot of great sites like cleaningtheglass.com. It's like $5 for a subscription there. They give you great stats there. You can go to teamrankings.com. Uh, there's just so many different sites and places you can go to find great stats about the NBA or really about any sport. Um, so if you use those to create a model, that's awesome. And sometimes I really wish I was capable of doing that. I mean, I guess I am capable of doing it. I just haven't felt like I needed to create a model just yet. But I think it's surprising to a lot of people because the Celtics looked on paper per the data as clearly the superior team. And we've been saying since the start of the NBA Finals that I get that. We get that. But you can't just rely on data. You can't just rely on what's on paper, on what's supposed to happen. Right. You can't rely on size and athleticism and even on talent. Right. I mean, you look on paper, the starting five of the Boston Celtics was with how young they are, but also also kind of in their prime. Right. You got the Marcus Smart's been around for a while. Al Horford's been around for a while. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been around for a while. And so, you know, these are guys that are kind of in their primes right now on, on, on paper. You could easily say, well, although Steph, Clay and Draymond are three of the best to ever do it on one team. Yeah, I mean they're you know they're getting up there, right? They're they're in their thirties, you know, mid thirties. Um, not exactly spring chickens anymore. So it would be easy to say, hey, the data, the roster, the facts kind of say the Celtics are going to win this series. I mean, we've been seeing almost every day. I see this um, statistical analysis from ESPN, the guys at ESPN. It's like the power, their power ratings or whatever. And it's been saying that the Celtics have like an 81% chance of winning this series. Even leading up to game five, it said that. Very interesting. I don't know where they're getting that data. But it's vindication for me because in handicapping, you know, this doesn't always happen, right? I mean, sometimes just the superior team, the more talented team, they do blow out other teams, right? But in this series, what we're seeing is we're seeing modelers and, and data and what we expect to happen versus intangibles and human factors, right? And psychological factors, um, which are things that I weigh very often in my handicapping, which I think I would say I'm biased because it's my process, but I would say you have to incorporate that in, into your handicapping. You know, I, I've heard on a lot of podcasts before these finals, people dismissing things about the Warriors leadership on court and off court about the Warriors coaching, about the Warriors chemistry, uh, how, how in sync and how in fluid they can be as a team. These are all more intangible things, right? It's like, well, all that sounds good, Chris, but it's really hard to measure. Well, I think we need to try and start trying to measure it, right? We need to try to measure it. Um, I'm building a class right now. I actually already built the class. Uh, and I recorded it. We'll see if it uh, passes the test on NBA psychology for a sports wagering university, which you know, follow at sports wager you, by the way, a lot of classes coming down the pike. But it's it's indicative of, of my process, but it's also something that I think objectively is really important to consider some of these factors that aren't necessarily screaming at you from from raw data. But they are there. Right. It, it does matter. Um, a great a great example of that. Right. I mean, you can say it doesn't matter, but clearly it does in this series. Think about the days in between these games. Right. 
players are going out to dinner together. They're practicing together. They're in the locker rooms together. You know, they're texting each other. Who are the Celtics players turning towards in those moments? Marcus Smart, maybe? Ime Udoka, maybe? But at the, at the end of the day, how many times has Marcus Smart been in the NBA Finals? Before this series, zero. How many times has Ime Udoka as a coach? Zero. As a head coach, zero. Um, so, the, you know, these these players on the Celtics and fans of the Celtics or, or people who favor the Celtics in this series might be saying to themselves, well, that kind of stuff doesn't really matter that much. I mean, look how talented this team is. Look how great on defense they are, how, how resilient and how great they've been all year. All that is true. But when players like Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, when they're in your locker room or in your text thread and they have faith in you, right, when they're communicating to, to players like Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins, even players like Bielitsa, who's actually had some pretty good moments in this series, especially on defense, pretty impressive. When you have players like that texting you, talking to you, are you going to believe them? Are you gonna Are you gonna have uh, a higher tendency or a higher proclivity to believe them? Yes, because they've been here before, right? Steph Curry is a certified, world-renowned superstar. Period. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, very, very good players. They're not world-renowned superstars, right? We've seen even. Ime Udoka, who's been the pitcher of stern, consistent, and, and and cool, right? Like he's just been like Joe Cool on the sideline for basically this whole season. He gets a little riled up from time to time, but we haven't really seen it. He's losing his cool a little bit, isn't he, in the NBA Finals? Got a technical foul, you know, screaming at the refs, screaming on the court, coming onto the court when he's not supposed to. It's his first time in the NBA Finals. Right. And a lot of these patterns that I think we depended on, even even I depended on in game five. That's why I bet on the Celtics early. I bet on the Celtics in the first quarter, uh, plus 0.5, plus one, put two bets out there for premium customers. Obviously, both lost. I mean, the Celtics started ice cold. That that uh, clumsy nature that they had that carried over from game four into game five. And that's what happens in in huge series like championship games like this right we see patterns of behavior being broken because it's so mental you have to be so mentally sound in those situations and bottom line is how do you know what's going to happen or how do you know what to expect just by watching it right it's it's different when you're there it's different when you're on the court and who are the players that other these these ancillary Boston Celtics players like a Derek White like a Peyton, uh, what's his last name? Pritchard. Like a Robert Robert Williams III. Who do they have to turn to? Jason Tatum, sure. Marcus Smart, sure. Ime Udoka, sure. Jalen Brown, sure. They've all been good. But it's not going to carry the same weight as when you have leaders, leaders of men out there like Draymond, like Steph Curry, and like Clay. And if there's something that we noticed from game five, it sounded like the announcers were noticing it too. Listen, Jason Tatum, if you want to take that next level, that next step in your career, I mean, he is reluctant. 
he is reluctant to be a superstar. You know, and and listen, Deuce Tatum is the cutest kid in the world. I mean, he's adorable. I know the NBA wants Jason Tatum to succeed. He seems like a great dude. I have no problems with Jason Tatum. Just like I have no problems <laughs> with Devin Booker. <laughs> but um in these big game situations, if you want to if you want to separate yourself from the superstar to the great, or the great to the superstar, there's a difference. And it's in those big moments, right? It's easy to get amped up and to play really well when you're when you're playing from behind, right? We saw Jason Tatum kind of step it up in the second quarter, has some beautiful shots. I give him credit for that. He responded. But that's a little easier to do, isn't it? I mean, you kind of have to pick up your team, right? Everyone's looking at you. It's like, okay, well, now I'm going to really start to be aggressive. But what about when that game starts? What about at the very start of game five? The series is tied two to two. There's pressure. There's nerves. This is a crucial, crucial game, obviously. You want to take a lead. You want to go back home to Boston with the lead. Jason Tatum, I, I watched him many, many times go up that court in the first quarter. And he had space, he had opportunity, he passes the ball. Sharp passes to Jalen Brown. Sharp passes to Marcus Smart. And sometimes when Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are catching that ball, it's like, the, you know, you can see their body language. It's like, bro, like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. But, like, why aren't you taking it? You know, and Jalen Brown is not, look, he's not shy to take a shot. Obviously, he's been playing really well in this series, but he was limited last night too. And, you know, Tatum had a good shooting night overall, shot 50% from the field, but he only took 20 shots. I mean, if you're a superstar, say what you want about Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and LeBron James and these, you know, super, super, superstars from the past, or I guess LeBron's still the present. They're not taking just 20 shots in an NBA Finals game five, period. You know, the team is going to be like, yo, we expect you to take over 30 shots in this game. You probably should. You're the best player on the court. You're the best player on our team. We believe in you, right? 20 shots from Jason Tatum? We got to see more, bro. Like, you got – like, you. I don't know if you're ready yet, Jason. I don't know if he's ready yet. Heading into these NBA playoffs, the way he played in that first game, the way he looked, how aggressive he's, he's looked at the start of some of these games – I'm like, maybe this guy has hit a different level, right? But you have to see consistency. You have to see it every single game. Steph Curry, did he have a great game in game five? No. Would he get 13 points or something or 16, 20 points maybe? I mean, I don't know. It was it was underwhelming. It was the first game in 233 games that Steph Curry didn't hit a three-point shot. But Steph Curry wasn't afraid to handle the ball. He wasn't afraid to shoot the ball. He wasn't afraid to keep on shooting the ball because he that's his responsibility. I mean, the players – you send a message to your players when even if you're not doing well, you're still going to stay aggressive. You're still going to be confident, right? The Marcus Smarts, the Jalen Browns, the Robert, Robert Williams III, Grant Williams, these players, they look towards their leader. They look towards who the media is looking towards, and that's Jason Tatum. And when Jason Tatum is being reluctant and hesitant, it's going to leak down to the rest of the team, right? It's a domino effect. And the Celtics stepped up in the third quarter. But again, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about when they step up, right? One of the announcers said it really well last night, I think. Like, hey, if you're the Boston Celtics, you have to stop expecting everything to go your way. That is not championship basketball. You're going to have to win and you're going to have to overcome adversity. I don't care if you don't like the way the refs are calling the game. 
I don't care if you if you don't like the way Draymond Green's playing. You have to control the narrative of, the, of this game. Like enough of the excuses, right? And we've seen seen it all over Twitter. I've seen it on podcasts. I've heard it on podcasts. Excuses, excuses, excuses for the Celtics. Bullshit. First of all, the Celtics had 31 free throws in game five. The Warriors had 15. Okay. So the refs objectively called many, many more fouls on Golden State. Period. And if and, and if, if you watch these games too, the announcers tend to support the losing team a little more. Just watch out for that, right? The announcers will notice the no calls when a team is doing bad, right? Oh, a, t- a player got fouled. There was a no call. Wow. You know, it, it's kind of like they, you know, they want the other team to get back into the game, right? They want it to be a good game. Uh, same thing with bad fouls, right? When the Celtics commit a bad foul, like when uh, I think it was uh, Peyton, Gary Payton Jr., who tripped over his own two feet and they called a foul. Well, they're going to play that replay over and over again, right? Because that was a bad foul because it wasn't a foul. You know, that wasn't a foul in the Celtics. But that's going to get more attention because the Celtics are already losing, right? It's 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 like pouring more fuel on the fire. If the Celtics were winning by 20, I don't know if they're going to replay that six times. Um, but so the Celtics no calls and the bad fouls are getting a lot of attention, but it's not a thing. Enough with the excuses. You know, now this is going back to the TD Garden Center and talk about things getting real talk about pressure i mean you're back at home this is game six you better send this to seven games huge huge spot for jason tatum huge huge spot for the celtics huge spot for email doka jalen brown this whole team it's been quite a ride guys it's been quite a ride but it ain't over and it's it just seems like sometimes the celtics are expecting to win these games and they're not following through with what they need to do to win them. A lot of turnovers in this game too, right? 18 turnovers. That's a reflection of their reluctancy, of their hesitation, right? And you, you, you saw it in that game. I mean, the Celtics had quite a few open shots, but they just pulled it back down, kept on moving around the ball. Like nobody wants to take on that role, man. And that's the difference. That's the difference between the Warriors and the Celtics right now. Draymond Green has now fouled out three times in these NBA Finals, and I'm here to tell you that that not that might not be a bad thing. Think about that. If you're the opposing team, you know that they have an enforcer who is willing to foul out, <laughs> like he doesn't care. He's just going to keep on playing really aggressively. So you're going into that game knowing that you're going to get a little battered. You know, you're going to get a little muscled in that game. Um. That's kind of intimidating, isn't it? I mean, that's that's Draymond Green's role. And listen, I don't, I don't want to hear about Draymond Green anymore. Eight points, eight rebounds, six assists. Pretty damn good game. That's a perfect game from Draymond. He did what he was supposed to do. He missed a few more threes. I mean, I wish he would stop doing that. But you got to love the confidence, I guess, right? You got to keep the Celtics honest. But he did his part. And six fouls, I'm, I'm telling you, even though he fouled out, that might be the perfect game for Draymond. Because he's setting a precedent, he's sending a message that he's not stopping. He's not going to like cool off, you know, because the media, because you know, uh, Dave Portnoy, Barstool Sports are you sounding off. You know, Draymond Green is sending a big fu to all these people. Like I'm not slowing down. Slow me down. And so far, the Celtics don't seem like they're capable of of punching back in the same way. 
you know, they're getting frustrated. Let's talk a little bit about Andrew Wiggins. Wow. I mean, what a great story. You know, he was so touted when he was drafted in 2014. Those high school mixtapes of him just dunking on everybody, potentially one of the better players to come into the NBA, maybe another phenom. Maybe, you know, he had LeBron comparisons. And it's taken him a little while to get to this place. But Andrew Wiggins is showing you that in his DNA, what he's capable of is 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 greatness. I mean, that's a player who, when we talk of, about the Warriors heading into this series, everyone's like talking about Steph, they're talking about Draymond, they're talking about Clay's getting old. You know, what is Jordan Poole going to do as the X factor? Andrew Wiggins was a little bit too much on the side of those conversations, I think. And he's letting you know that he better not be on the side. If you, I mean, if you watch these plays with Andrew Wiggins, he's playing defense at full throttle, just like he did against Luka. He is guarding Jason Tatum better than anyone else on the Warriors can right now. He's he's moving around the entire court. He got 13 rebounds last night. I mean, he he's killing it, killing it from the rebounds, guys. I mean, he is he's he's killing the boards. And 26 points, uh, and that slam dunk, that emphatic slam dunk to kind of end that Warriors run in the fourth quarter and put a cherry on top. Um, Andrew Wiggins was the best player on the court in game five. And it came at a great time because Steph Curry obviously didn't have a great night. Clay did a few things, but not a great night either. Um, Jordan Poole, hell of a three-point shot at the end of the third quarter, but he was off, you know, he was off a little bit too. Um, Andrew Wiggins. Just just goes to show you how deep the Warriors actually are. And again, back to the vindication, these are pretty two evenly matched teams. I mean, if we don't think that now, we're never going to think it, right? Then our our, our bias is going to be is just going to be overwhelming everything else, I guess. Because um, it's pretty clear to me that these are two very very even teams. Now let's get into Game Six. Uh, game Five kind of proved right that things are a little bit more unpredictable than we thought, and I mean that's indicative of what an NBA Finals and a championship game is going to bring. Um, the Celtics did not respond the way many of us expected to. I lost bets in the Celtics early in that game. There's a reason why I didn't want to bet on them full game, though, and, you know, we saw the results. But, you know, the tricky thing now is that the Celtics go back home. They're three-point favorites, three-and-a-half-point favorites right now in most books. Um, so, again, the expectation is that they're going to win. And the Celtics have not been as good at home in those spots, right? They've only won five out of six, or I'm sorry, they're six and five. I think that's right. They're six and five at home in the NBA playoffs. Not as good as a favorite, not as good at home. And the Warriors have a chance, obviously, to finish the series here. But we've seen what the Warriors have done in the past, right? The Warriors reluctant to close out series on the road. They were reluctant against Denver. They're reluctant against Dallas. Are they going to do it here in Boston in a raucous environment? A lot of competing narratives here. Hard to trust in the Celtics after what we saw in game five. But I think my best bet so far is I'm going back to the well. Celtics are first quarter and first half minus two. And I'd rather take them first half, right? Give them a little more time to settle in, get comfortable behind their home crowd, a lot of these players in the Celtics have to shoot better than they did in game five. There was some despicable shooting in that game. 
I mean, if you averaged out the first, second, and fourth quarter of game five, the Celtics shot 35% from the floor. They shot 58% in the third quarter, so that's the one quarter that they decided to play. But 35% for the full game, around 41% average for the entire game. Whew. That's bad, guys. This is the NBA Finals. This isn't, you know, this isn't the Charlotte Hornets. This isn't even the Miami Heat. Okay. These are the Golden State Warriors who have made it to the finals, who have been here many times before. Many players have anyway. Uh, the most important players have. <laughs> so you you can't shoot 35% in three quarters against the Golden State Warriors and expect to win anything ever. So the table is set for them to at least play better. I think at least at the start of the game. Would not be surprised if we saw yet another Golden State explosion in the third. It seems like whatever team is down or is is not playing well in the first half is the team that's going to respond in the third quarter. Usually that is the Warriors who start off slower, but we've seen, man, when these Warriors start off hot, they're tough to hold out, hold off a uh, full game. But I'm going to take the Celtics minus two in the first half. I think that's a pretty, pretty nice line there. I mean – if the books have them winning this game by four points, then, you know, splitting that in half for the first 24 minutes of this game when they should have a lot of juice, a lot of energy on their home floor, seems like a pretty strong bet for me. Right now, I'm staying off anything else. The total is probably about right at 210. You know, we've seen these totals climb in at least one of those quarters in every one of these games, right? We saw it in the third quarter of game five. 40 or 59 points there in the third quarter. And then all the other quarters were pretty low scoring. I would lean to the under, but I don't know if that's going to be an official play of mine yet. Um, and I would just, I would just tread game six very cautiously because what we're seeing and what this, these finals are telling us, right? If there's a narrative that's coming out of this, it is that the Warriors were more ready for this mentally. And, you know, you heard it in the little giants, right? What did that one guy say? I think it was, uh, one of the linebackers who came to visit the little giants, he said, football is 80% mental, 40% physical, something like that. And, and the kid was like, what, well, what the hell are you talking about? Does not add up to 100%. But the point is it's a very mental game, right? Sports are mental. I don't care how talented you are. If you don't have the poise, if you don't have those intangibles in those big moments, it's going to be really hard for your team to win. And we're seeing a reluctant Jason Tatum. Tatum, We're seeing a reluctant Celtics starting five. We're not seeing any kind of reluctancy from Draymond Green, from Steph Curry, from Klay Thompson, from Andrew Wiggins, even from Jordan Poole. Even when Jordan Poole struggles, he keeps shooting. He keeps attacking. Certainly his defense is, has some room for improvement. But it's going to be interesting to see how Golden State approaches this game. They started with Otto Porter Jr. on the court in game five. I think that made a difference on defense. You know, Kevon Looney has been has been really good on the boards, but he can be a, li a liability on defense. Kind of a small ball lineup for the Warriors, but it's a it's kind of a big small, right? There's a lot of six, seven, six, eight guys there. You got Draymond, you got Andrew Wiggins, you got Otto Porter. Um, so I think it's a pretty good like energy match for what the Celtics offer. Um, so this game six should be, I mean talking myself into an under just because of how contentious it should be. But at the same time, you also have to expect positive regression from both of these teams on offense who, again, when Steph Curry doesn't make a three and when the Celtics go zero for 12 in the first half from three point land, 
and the game still almost reaches 200 points, doesn't that make you want to kind of lean to the over in game six? Uh, so there's there's competing narratives there. For, so for right now, I'm staying off the totals. But I'm going to play in the Celtics early again. Uh, hopefully, I don't regret that. But I'm probably going to avoid the full game again because of some of the volatility that we see at the end of these games. Um, if I had to, if my hand was forced, I would have to go with Golden State because they just seem like they're in the heads of the Boston Celtics. Uh, that had to be really deflating, being up 2-1. to one. Now they're down 3-2, and there's a lot of pressure on them. And again, this is a big moment. I would not be really surprised. I would not be surprised at all. I should say this, if the Celtics won the next two games, okay? They are that talented, but they have a lot to prove on the mental side of things because right now they're just not playing with the same focus and intensity. You know, the nerves are, are showing up. And it's pretty plain to see. So for now, Celtics first half minus two is what I'll take. Look out for uh, a podcast next week. I'm going to try to get K-Constable on the show to do a season recap or maybe some of the BetUS team members as well. We'll see what we can do there. You know, Josh is over there in Australia. Alex is just, you know, he's out. He's out doing his thing all the time. He's on the tennis show for BetUS. I don't know if I can get them all together, but um, we'd like to do a season recap show next week. Then might maybe take a little break, and then we'll start talking fully NFL, guys. I can't wait. The NFL season is actually not that far away. We're talking in two months. We're talking about preseason action. Let's go. So with that, thank you to all of you for listening to this podcast. Once again, laying the points with Farley Bets. Check me out at Farley Bets all over social media at The Odds Breakers. We're going to be back on the BetUS NBA show on Thursday, so check us out there as well. Thank you all for listening. And as always, let's keep on winning some damn money. Bye.